This is Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. My name is Doris Corda, and for the past several years, I've been training educators. Listen to these episodes and hear about some of the extraordinary programs they've created. We call these pioneers the fire starters. See if you can get some ideas that you can implement yourself to change your own practice. In this episode, Doris speaks with Terry Chu, science teacher at Joaquin Miller Middle School in San Jose, California. Terry shares details about her students learning innovation in her science enrichment and research class, also known as the search class. Hey, Terry. Hi. I'm really excited to hear more about your search class. And you came to the workshop, the very first one we did back at Steve Blank's house in his living room in the summer of 2014. And we actually communicated quite a bit before you came because you were really doing your homework. I remember to find a place to go. And I remember you're telling me that you were, you know, a middle school science teacher at a public school in California, and you really wanted to find ways to excite your students. Yeah, about- I was looking for, actually, I was uh, in the process of creating the search class, which came about because I wanted to teach innovation on that, and I needed to find ways to do that. And originally, the class that I had had in mind was sort of like a, a science fair class, a science fair prep class, research, pure research, but thinking back for that entire school year leading up to the summer, I realized I really didn't want to teach that, that what I really wanted to teach was innovation, and then learning a little bit more about what innovation meant, it, it's the intersection of science, business, and technology, and so the business part, when it fell into place there, I realized I needed to sort of investigate the business perspective because I didn't have a business background. I'm completely a science teacher, science person, studied science in college and so on. And so in looking at the business perspective, my brother-in-law actually who did study business, he uh, suggested that I look into the lean startup movement. Yep. And from there, the lean startup movement, I came across Mr. Blank. And so I actually emailed him about, you know, I, I'd like to learn more about this program. I'm a teacher. I, I, I have this class that I have in my head that I, I'd like to kind of fulfill. And, you know, did he have any suggestions for me where I can start? Because I had no, no background. And so he actually was the one who forwarded my email to, to me. you. Yes. At that point, was like, oh, great. There's this workshop that I can go to as someone who, didn't have any business background or anything like that, but had an idea for using entrepreneurship in a, a science-elected class. And so it kind of fell in place perfectly, timing-wise, and curricularly, uh, just to be able to immerse myself in that realm, that uh, the business sort of world that I, I don't have personal experience with. And so that really kind of get started. And as I learned more about Lean Launchpad and the Lean Startup, I realized it was a perfect fit because essentially the philosophies use the scientific method to validate all of your assumptions on nine core aspects of a startup yeah. business. And it just fell into place at that point. 
yeah. Uh, very nicely. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great. And then, of course, the curriculum you build around that. So that's, you know, it's like in a science class, you may employ the scientific method, but how you go about teaching science and teaching the students and getting the students to learn science is all about a whole bunch of other things. And you created a course coming out of that workshop. And I remember talking to you in the fall multiple times as you were looking for how to engage the students. And it's interesting because you came in thinking you needed to learn about business and and that's what you were looking for. But I actually think this all falls under the heading of innovation. Yeah. And I think especially with as I started in the fall. So I, I basically went from workshop to actually teaching the course. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was able to readily use like I, I needed to use uh, different tools and and sort of um, sort of come at it right away with this. And as I started in the fall, yeah, a lot of things just kind of uh, I, I realized a few things. Um, one yep. of the things first is that the business part is really like a scaffold. Yep. And that scaffold allows students to formalize and they communicate ideas in their head. But the creation, sort of the process of the product design and all that, you know, using technology and trying to figure out which technology would match my students best, that we hammered out throughout the fall. And then I think probably midway, sometime by winter, um, I, really, I started to realize that the innovation part was great, but really this class, uh, at least for my, for my class, was all about learning really about deeply about yourself, the students themselves, and how they interact with people, how they communicate with people. And essentially the concept for me became, okay, you know, we're really, as a teacher, my job is really to elevate these groups of students into teams of students. Otherwise, the innovation just wouldn't happen. Even if they had a wonderful business and they're kind of chugging along with the product, the product won't come to be its full potential if the team wasn't completely on board. And so then by the spring, when I had sort of my second iteration of the class, since it's a semester-long class, I was able to try to focus more on that aspect. And I think since that point, I think that's been something that I've kept in my head as, yes, this is important, yes, the learning of science and writing the literature, literature review, as well as learning the tech and building the product, but ultimately none of it will really push itself to its full potential without the team understanding they have to work together as a team. And so it's, it's been great, actually, as a teacher, um, because, you know, I get to then consult and advise teams. And I treat each little startup company as a team from the get-go. I tell them how important it is for them to really think of each other as a team and not as a group. And I think semester after semester, we've seen it's been more amazing projects at one after another. So, and it's all from the same business structure and the same tech. It's, but it's sort of 
uh, driving home that message that you have to interact with each other as teams. There's just, you, you can't, you can have all the fancy dreams you want, but if you want an actual product to be made and communicated well, it, it has to come from a, uh, a team mentality first. Right, and that's where all the approaches that we've built that, that have to do with teams having a real challenge that they're, they find meaningful. Right. And with a deadline where they have to come up with a solution and all those approaches around collaborating productively, feedback, how you give each other feedback, what, how you identify your strengths, bring them to a team, identify all that stuff that we talk about. That actually is the most powerful part of the whole thing. Right. And I would agree with that because the science, the business, the tech, at least for search class, really in order to see it through to its maximum potential that one semester can offer the students, they they don't have that much time, actually. And so if they cannot collect together, if they cannot uh, resolve their conflicts sooner than later, and they realize this at the very end of the experience, then at the end they realize, oh, you know what, maybe it's better that we resolve these conflicts as soon as they show up. Maybe we do need to kind of, I, I personally need to contribute more when I see either myself or someone else is kind of drifting off and they're not being productive, not coming in and helping to design. And so I think some of them definitely say in their reflection blogs that they realize that they're better as a leader on the side. They'll kind of be able to be a quiet leader. Some have said they like being able to be at the forefront and sort of dictating as they go, but they they realize who they are. Yeah. And they come to a, a clearer understanding of, I'm a talker, I like to you know, actively bring people into the, uh, no, I'm, I now know I need to step up my game because I just, I let it go. I, I let everything procrastinate too much and, or, you know, I'm better off on the side. I'm, I'm a quiet leader and I, I see that now. And um, I see that that has just as much value. It's just that's who I am and that's how I contribute. Exactly. And so I think that I would identify as the most important thing that is learned in my class. Even though they do learn business, they do learn science, and they do do learn all this tech, every semester it just comes back to they learn more about themselves than anything else. And I, I would argue that, so that, that is consistent with every single, you know, everybody who does this and implements in their own completely unique way in whatever class and whatever school with whatever age students says right. the same thing. They learn crazy amounts of some particular science or they learned a new technology or they they really uh, developed their writing, but more than anything else, they learned about themselves. And the reason we use, you know, we overuse these words and I wish there were new ones, but the reason it's so transformative for many of these students is because they realize the extent to which they're able to learn what I can do, how I can contribute. It isn't this closed conversation between the teacher and the student. Teacher gives student an assignment. Mm -hmm. Student does what 
he or she's told to do, hands it back to the teacher. Teacher pats on head or doesn't pat on head, says good job, and it's done. There's this, in addition to working on authentic problems, doing the work as a team makes it meaningful and relevant and urgent, and they take ownership of what they're doing in a way that they don't if they're just an individual contributor in a classroom. Right, and even if they're not. So, like, the whole project-based learning curricular design, it actually, I, I was just talking about this to uh, someone at a conference that I, I had spoken at, the Fab Learn Conference. Yeah. Yeah two weekends ago, and I was talking to them about project-based learning, and he came at it with, you know, project-based learning is great, and these kids get into groups, and then they do this project for, what, two, three, four weeks, and then they're done with the project, and then it's done, and they disband, and it's, it's as if they, you know, they move on to a new project, so it's as if they really didn't learn as much, because uh, it, it somehow truncated their learning, you know, it was done. That the piece was done, they got their grade, and then they moved on to a new project, new groups, and so on. And we were talking about search class, actually, and I appreciated his comment on, it's interesting because when you set it up like this, where the kids come up with that problem, yeah. and then they have, to, they have to pursue the solution, and it's almost like even after the class is done, there's still reason to move forward. Absolutely. Still, there's still the project is never truly. I mean, unless you're actually going to build your business and start your company, there's still so much more opportunity beyond just that particular project or that that class. And so, in some ways, this type of class where students define and then pursue solutions or define the problem and pursue solutions of their own, I think does to promote lifelong learners than simply sort of the traditional classroom group project. I agree. There's no, there's, the borders are blown wide open. This project can literally go to as far as you want it to. And so it kind of actively gets the students to think about, well, what's, what's the next step? You know, versus a lot of projects, even the project-based learning kind of projects, there's an end point, and then you have to move on. But this type of situation, it's almost begging students, well, what's your next step? Well, what's your next step? Well, you know, what do you have to plan next? And there's always a next. Yeah, because is- it, because they're, it, it's, what they're working on is real, and it doesn't just, it's not a, here, here's your assignment, project or not an assignment, and when you're finished, you're finished. It's, there's this real thing, and you're building, you're innovating, and they're passionate about what they're doing. We had a student we were talking to today who's in a space where they're actively working to define the problem that they're working on in the music space where the four of them are very are wildly passionate. And he is crazy excited about the opportunity to work on something he's actually interested in in a class in school and one of the things that I think this does is it re, re when you say lifelong learner it redefines students relationships with school right because they have this they they come into these kinds of classes before they've done a class like this they come in thinking 
the way this school thing works and my relationship to school is somebody gives me something to do that I must learn. I then learn it well or not. And I get, you know, some sort of feedback to tell me whether I learned it well enough or not. And we just kind of rinse and repeat that. And when they realize that my learning about and researching something I'm interested in, I'm genuinely passionate about, also constitutes learning and can even be done within what's considered an academic course that changes how they look at themselves learning in school. And I agree it create, that that opens them up to looking at learning as something they want to do. Right. And I, I think that's, that's definitely, um, you know, something all teachers want to promote and redesigning their classrooms or their curricula, I should say, is definitely one way to think about when, when they want that result. And I think that also the, in some sense, I really wish that I were able to take this class, and I think I probably would have had such a different trajectory in life as well. But I think... Um, oh, that's really interesting. Why? Well, I don't know, because I think, uh, for me, I, I didn't actually give business a chance. I mean, I, I knew I, I really wanted to be an educator, but that also... In my head, it never occurred to me to even give business a chance or even the startup world where, you know, science and technology is pretty much integrated into the business, at least in Silicon Valley, that's where we're at. But it just never occurred to me that I would find a place for myself there. But I'm glad I didn't. I mean, I think in education, there is so much to innovate, which kind of gets me to think that. I think maybe one of the keys for teachers is in order to sort of help a lot of the teachers out there bring them into this new perspective is that they need to think of themselves as an innovator as well. And that, you know, they may not be in, in a trendy, high-tech, Silicon Valley, you know, uh, startup, but that doesn't mean that, you know, teachers can't be those innovators. And we innovate on our curriculum. You know, that's how we are able to push the boundaries and for ourselves become that lifelong learner too. You know, I, I just so appreciate actually having the experience now of teaching this entrepreneurship kind of uh, aspect in my class. It's, you know, I think it's been a great thing for me. <laughs> you, you said that beautifully. I couldn't agree more. And I, I really will say, I don't even think it's about business. I think everything right. you're talking about is about innovation. Right. I totally agree. I think innovation, the spirit of innovation, and just the pursuit of it is really critical for student and teachers alike. And, you know, I think coming away from this particular conference uh, that just happens that's fresh in my head that, you know, it, it is it is a movement. I, I truly do believe that. It is not just some passing fad or, um, you know, a maker space might be a fad, the sort of a room that people go to to drill and do laser cut and do 3D print, but the maker education movement, the movement towards innovation from the teacher's perspective as well. The yep. I don't know if there's an umbrella term for all of it, but 
that sort of thinking, I think it is something that once started, the ripple effect is just going to continue. I could not agree more. And you said all of that so well. I'm going to end that here, but that was that was fabulous. Thank you, Terry. And I loved I loved seeing your the excitement of your students when I came to visit you, and they were on fire. And by the way, learning not only about innovation and customer development and pitching and communications, but also learning a lot of science, and they were jazzed about it. Right. Yes, they can see finally how science is applicable to their lives. It's awesome. Hey, have a great day. Thanks, Terry. All right. Thank you so much. If you want to hear more podcasts like this or learn about the Corda Method, visit our website at wildfire-education.org.